I am thrilled to have one of the most fascinating people I know join me tonight, Esther Rodriguez Brown. Esther is an international speaker, an author, a business owner, and a passionate humanitarian and a fierce advocate for healthy living. And so without further ado, let's welcome to a conversation with Brian, Esther Rodriguez Brown. Esther, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. I am so thrilled that you're here. You know, one of the things that we do at the beginning of each one of my shows is I ask people to tell about their personal story and their, their professional journey. But I want to read something from your, your wonderful book, um, The Power of Your Hands, Mudras for Your Everyday Life. I want to read the first uh, paragraph from your acknowledgments. This book is an offering of God, offering to God. I am grateful to the Divine Mother and Father for allowing me to follow my path and purpose in this lifetime and to continue guiding me through my spiritual journey. And you go on to thank a number of people, including your husband, Mike, and your children and some of your spiritual teachers. But I'd like to um, have you just take a moment before we get into your book, Esther, to talk to the audience about your professional journey, but also your personal story. So who is Esther Rodriguez Brown? <laughs> Wow, that's a that's a big question, Brian. Who is Esther? I'm still finding out who is Esther. And because most of the times we are not who we think we are. So I think that has been my journey, not only here, um, but since since I can remember in uh, back in my country in Spain. I was born and raised in Spain, as you know. Right. And um, you know, I always been um I always been called to do something different and I always felt as a as a young person that it was difficult for me to fit in on the on the roles that they that my parents want me to play or, or the you know people around me want me to play and and so I always felt a little bit like a outcast for you know like I didn't fit in so right. um, I always joke with Mike and my and the kids that I am from another planet and I just was you know I just they dropped me here please take me back <laughs> but um, so I did uh, in Spain I did law school I, I went to law school I did four years and um, then I realized that the law look very good in the books, but the way we apply law is not fair. And that is not only in Spain. I realized that this happened in the United States as well and around the world. And that's what I was like, hmm, maybe that's not what I'm going to do. And, you know, I did different things uh, there. I, I, I was a business on, owner at the age of 26. And since then, since then, I always have my own business and, um, uh, you know, I met Mike around 2000, and actually February 6 was 22 years that we met. Wow. And yeah, I'm <laughs> it blind, looked like right? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and then in 2001, I moved to the United States to Las Vegas. Go figure! I never been in my plans to move to the United States, but for sure not to Las Vegas. And um, and yeah, I think, you know, I feel that I have 
two lives, which in one life, the life that I had in Spain and then right. the life that I have here. It's so weird when, when we move out of our country, I think we become this global citizen or a person without a country and we belong to everywhere but nowhere. You know, Esther, one of the things that I um, said in the intro and I said in my promotions when we were talking about you is truly you're one of the most fascinating people I know. And when you just were talking about yourself and kind of saying you never really felt like you fit in, I think that is that is a beauty of yours. That's a strength of yours because of what you've done really around the world. But what you've done in particular to an organization that you birthed, you and Mike birthed, but it really was your baby. Um, the Embracing Project. Can you talk to the audience about the Embracing Project? Because I think it is so special and it is not something that that I ever even thought about, you know, somebody doing because um, it, it's, it sounds like or it feels like these kids, quote, are kind of like throwaway kids and you're the one who just dives in and said, these are my kids, these are my babies, I'm going to figure out how to help them, how to save lives. Can you talk a little bit about the Embracing Project? Um, yes, I love to do that because like you say, that's uh, that's my baby. I, I got pregnant uh, for two years and then I gave birth, you know, because I <laughs> I was thinking about, oh, I came with, uh, with well, actually, let me rephrase that. I, I don't think I created anything. I just was the messenger or the 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 channel to bring that to, to light, right? Because actually when I started thinking about the Embracing Project in 2005, I barely spoke English. My English, you know, I spoke other languages, but English wasn't one. So I always joke that the name, the Embracing Project was given to me by a higher power because I didn't even know what that meant, but I just went with it. So when we came up with the embracing project the 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 mission or the initial mission was to um teach the similarities between gangs and genocide and the reason why that was or came as as an idea is because when we were in Fayetteville North Carolina Mike uh, was um he, he was coaching at the time for the minor league the NBA minor league and um, I went back to school and I, I was doing my bachelor's in criminal justice. And, and I, I thought like, well, I really want to see how the system works from within. Right. And I'm, I'm one of those people that when I want to know something, I just jump into the pool and then I'm like, oh, maybe I need a float. Learn how to swim. <laughs> 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 so that's kind of what I did and the only thing I could offer at the moment was to volunteer as a Spanish teacher because of course I speak Spanish very fluently and and that was kind of the door to get into the juvenile detention in in Fayetteville and what I saw it was a lot of children most of them children of color of communities of color that they came and they came and come out and came and come out. It was like a revolving door. And, and, and you know, the idea of children being involved in certain situations like gangs. Right. And I did some work with children, the child soldiers and other parts of the world. And um, one day I decided to bring 
the stories of the invisible children from you uh, from Uganda and you know just share with the kids in the detention center about these kids that they were called the night commuters and they have to go from town to town in Uganda to not to be recruited to be soldiers by the um, LRA and so what I saw was like I still thinking and I get a little emotional and get goosebumps because you have here a bunch of kids that they have no hope for their future, but they were so excited about helping other children and what they perceive to be in a worse situation. Right. And, yeah, and they were like, oh my goodness, Ms. Esther, we want to go to Africa and help kids. And, and I was like, wow, this is something here, you know? And that's how the Embracing Project came to be. What can I the hope of helping other children, it will be the hope to help themselves. And so I create this curriculum to teach the similarities between gangs and genocide and the intersection between children and gangs and children that are being recruited to be soldiers in other countries. And, and you know, and that's how, how, how came and I start doing a lot of classes in different places. And then when we moved back to Las Vegas, in 2007, I was able to incorporate that idea as a nonprofit, and um, and then you know to start working with other populations. But um, in 2008, we receive a call from the judge. Uh, it was this 14 years old girl that she was involved with a, a Mexican gang here in the city of Las Vegas. And what we find out is that she was being exploited by the gang to bring money into the gang as an asset, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of how it shifts into what is today and what has developed and is one of the pioneers organization here working with children that are being exploited through sex. And, and Esther, one of the things that just fascinates me is that, and, and I, we've, Mike, I've talked to Mike about this, is, is your fearlessness. Um, because this is not, you know, something that, a person would, would think to, you know, just go into, you know, a, a neighborhood where there's gangs and, and to help kids, you know, where does that come from? You know, I think, I don't know. Yeah. People tell me, well, you, you know, you're kind of crazy. I'm like, yeah, maybe I am. I, I don't fear death. I, I think that we are in this body impermanently. And at one point we have to leave the body. So if I leave the body as I'm doing my purpose, it's a great way to live, you know? I mean, like, so I never thought about, oh, if I go to this neighborhood, people is gonna, um, I just was focused on what, what it was my purpose to do. And, and I think that kind of was a protection. Mike always say that God protect babies and fools. So I guess I'm not a baby. So <laughs> I guess I'm a fool, <laughs> but it worked for me. I just, love what I do I I think when you are doing things from a genuine um like from a place of of uh, um, honesty and, and genuine somehow you are protected so that's how I always felt you know one of the things that I, I really uh, again um just admired you about was you know, you talked a little bit about it um, earlier as you were talking about how, you know, the kids who were in, you know, juvenile detention wanted to go and, and you know, 
see the the, the child soldiers and, and and you did that you took kids from here over to liberia and to like an orphanage and and really those 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 kids their lives were changed because of what they said what they saw and what they experienced yes i think that's the most uh that's the part that really um fascinate me the most and and i love it because it's like bringing just souls together and kids that they going through um a lot of different experiences but then it's not we are not so different apart from each other and i think one of the things that i love to do and i do now we get into a little bit later with the book is to to get people to realize that we are not as different as we like to to think we are and it doesn't matter what your experience is is how we relate to each other and what are the points of commonality so yeah we took actually uh i took two groups the first group was six girls all of them from las vegas and all of them had been involved in in trafficking in um substance abuse gangs and their lives completely change forever and not only the, their lives i think when you when you are able to be the catalyst to change somebody's life you change generations yeah, yeah. yes so. i talk about that all the time if you can change you know somebody's life then you're not changing the, just the person in front of you you're changing their kids and their kids and their kids and so yes you are changing generations um let's let's you know pivot to your book, because I was reading this and I, I was diving into it. Um, and one of the things that really, you know, fascinated me is, is this idea of mudras. And we'll talk about that in a few seconds. Um, because mm -hmm. I, I really had never thought about it until you wrote the book. And when I was reading it, I was like, wow, you know, our hands are truly powerful. But can, can you actually kind of talk, actually transition from, you know, what we were just talking about in terms of the, the, the kids, um, and, and, you know, they're, they're experiencing trauma. And so how does this book link to your work with survivors of trauma? Because, you know, child soldiers, um, the, the traffic girls, but other people um, have experienced trauma. And so how, do, how does this book link to this idea of survivors of trauma? Yes, um, you know, our body is, yes, one of the layers of our existence. And is the first layer is the the grosser layer of our existence, right? Because it's what is tangible and, and, and what we can touch. And so it's also the gate into trauma. We, most of the times we experience trauma through our body. Um, and, you know, when we talk about trauma, people think about sexual abuse or physical abuse or domestic violence, but trauma, it can come from a car accident. It can come for the loss of, of someone that you love or for a long illness or, or for feeling betrayed by somebody who you love. And so those traumatic experiences are being um, experienced through the body first. That's where we feel. We feel that punch in the stomach or, or our heart. Yeah. You know, it's very somatic in our body, but we barely pay attention to that. And when you talk about healing trauma in general, the first response is to, okay, well, you should go to therapy or, you know, you should go and talk to somebody about it. But a lot of the time survivors of trauma, they don't want to talk about their trauma, um, but they want to feel better. So this, this book 
came, uh, I, I practice mudras myself and I share with the kids that I work with, um, you know, I, I introduce them into meditation, yoga, um, different things that we use in, in the Vedic tradition. And what, what is important is that how we can release trauma from the body. The body, the, the, the trauma is, a, is, is also a, is, is a way of energy. And so it gets stuck in our bodies. And when we only cognitively understand trauma and when we only focus on the mind, but we don't integrate the body into the healing process, then it creates a lot of disassociation. And so the idea is to be able to allow these energies to flow through the body and, and be able to release. Um, but of course, mudras is not only for trauma. Mudras um, is a practice that we use through meditation. We also use to improve our physical health. Right. Um, you know, like uh, problems with digestion, um, etc. So what, what are mudras? Uh, for, for people who have never really, you know, kind of broached the subject, it was something that was very new to me. So what are mudras? Yeah, so mudras is easiest a specific hand gestures that we do, we use our fingers in, in our hands. And what it does, every finger is connected with an element um, in nature. And mudras is part of a Vedic tradition of Vedic teachings. And um, the Vedic um, the Vedic knowledge is so vast. So you have different mm, branches. You know, you have Ayurveda, which is, um, more of the medical branch of, uh, of the Vedic knowledge. You have yoga, um, you have Vedanta. So it's, a, it's many, many, um, you know, it's very vast. So, but mudras, it's a part that work specifically with certain energies. So in Ayurveda, we see everything is created by, well, I mean, not only in Ayurveda, in reality, everything is created by the elements. You have the ether, you have the element of air, the element of fire, water, and earth. And those elements are not only part of the universe in the world, but it's part of our body. You right. know, you think about your body. Your body is uh, the majority of the part of your body is water, liquids, right. you know, fluids. Um, the physical part of your body that is made of element of earth is the earth is heavy. You know, our body is heavy and is solid. Um, think about element of air, what is in our nostrils, what is in the cavities in between our bones. So every element is part, all the elements are part of our body. So the fingers also hold the elements and represent each element. The thumb represents fire. Um, the, the, how you call the pointing finger, the index finger, this finger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the index finger, that's right, uh, represent air. Uh, the middle finger represents the space. Mm -hmm. The annular finger is linked to the element of earth. And the little finger is um, represents or is linked to the element of water. So when we bring fingers together to do certain mudras, we are bringing these elements together. So we can balance those elements in our body. 
So, so for instance, so before yeah. you go on, um, Esther, would you say that there that these elements are a source of pleasure or a source of happiness? Well, what happened is that when we have any kind of imbalance in our elements, mm -hmm. it can contribute to illnesses because we are out of balance. Right. So the whole idea be beyond uh, Ayurveda and the mudras and any other tools that we learn is to bring our body, our mind, and our soul into balance. Because only when we are in balance, we can live a healthy life. And so if you have your element of air out of balance, for example, and the element of air is uh, related to our mind, our thoughts, but also our colon and certain parts of our digestive system. If it's an imbalance, then maybe you're gonna feel a little bit constipated or you're gonna feel bloated on your stomach right. or you're gonna have fear or anxiety overthinking because you know it's too much going on here in your head. Sure. So we want to bring those elements back into a natural state of balance. And, and, you know, I'll get deeper into your book. I'll talk a little bit about Ayurveda and, and how that those practices, yoga and Vintanta helps us with healing. But I, what I'd like to ask you is, how did you, how did you learn about this? I know you, can you talk a little bit about your, your time in India and in the, all the things that you've, you've, you've done to educate yourself about this idea of mudras? Yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, since I was uh, very young, I always been interested in um, in other, um, I would say, philosophies other than the one that was given to me by birth and mm -hmm. uh, the traditions that we have in birth. And, and so I always been a busy bee, you know, trying to learn different things yeah. that make sense to me. Sure. And, but I really got deep into it when I came here and I started practicing yoga 20, 20 years ago. Um, I really got very deep into the practices of, of yoga. And when I say practices of yoga, I'm not only re, uh, refer to the asana, the, the, the postures of right. yoga, which is more the Western idea of what we are taught, right? Mm -hmm. Yoga is just being doing yes. and all that. Yep. But yoga is a spiritual practice because it really goes deep in. And it doesn't matter what denomination, you know, a spiritual practice is non-denominational. It's, right. it's getting in touch with your higher self, right? So I really got into, into that. I started really getting in, in, in touch with more of the Buddhist practices as well. I became vegetarian for spiritual reasons and, and a little bit start changing the, the vision or the filter how I look life because I started learning new new things and new wisdom that it makes sense to me right. and so um, from there it was like a snowball I wanted to know more and I wanted to learn and uh, I went to become a yoga teacher and you know I went to India and actually funny story not that funny when it happened to me but the first time I went to India I got deported <laughs> so, really yeah I, I don't remember that 
<laughs> you know I mean? you know i always say i'm like okay i don't get deported from the united states and i go to india for spiritual experience <laughs> i get deported <laughs> so yeah i the first year um and i was going to a teaching that the dalai lama was giving in a tibetan monastery and i was so excited and I didn't realize that my visa expired as, as I was flying into India. I but do remember now. I remember, remember that? told me that. Yes, I do remember. Wow. That and I, I just got into the plane against the advice of the airline. <laughs> I was like, Stubborn. yeah, please, you're going to talk to me. I'll do it. <laughs> so I decided to go from London to New Delhi. And when I got there, they were like, no, ma'am, you got a, your visa expired yesterday. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I fake a heart attack and uh, nothing works. So they, <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> like, yeah. But I came back and I told Mike, I said, you know what? I'm going back to India. And he's like, OK, well, you're crazy. And, <laughs> you know, six months later, I was back in India with a visa of five years and and I went and, and I went to um, to the monastery where the Dalai Lama was doing the teachings and I stayed there for almost a month. And, yeah. and you know, studying different things. And I went back, I went back different times and uh, study Ayurveda there and, and of course yoga. I have my teachers here as well. I've been studying um, Vedic astrology for three years now, which is fascinating because it talks about our karma and what are some of the karmas that we bring into this lifetime and how we can deal with these karmas and experiences that sometimes is so overwhelming for us and we don't know how to handle it. So um, I like to go to the source of what the teachings yeah. are and learn from there. And India is a beautiful country, but a lot of people feel like, okay, I'm gonna go to India. I'm gonna have this spiritual experience. And my experience is that India is going to bring out what you need to face. And uh, my first encounter with India was deportation. Yeah. That was my first encounter. And uh, yeah, so. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I really think that when people, you know, and I, I encourage you to buy this book because um, I started to, and again, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but I started to look at how many mudras you had there's like 40 different mudras you have in your book in terms of the hand, um, um, the way you can really use use mudra, use this to, you know, support your, your health. But um, I, I encourage people to, to buy the book, be, but I wanted you to tell your story because I want people to have to know that you're credible, to know that, you know, you're just not selling a book. It's like you're living this. Right. Um, and so the, the, the question I have is. You've used this term Ayurvedic or Ayurveda. How does that relate to the book? So um, in the book, um, if, you, um, if, if you look on, on the mudras, you see that you have some of the elements in the dosha. And so each mudra, it's good to balance certain elements in certain dosha of the body. And when I mean dosha, in, in Ayurveda, we all have a constitution that we are born with. And it's based on what elements are more prominent in your constitution when, when you are born. And those are classified as a vata, pita, kapha. Those are the three 
humors, let's say, or three constitutions that we all have. And so Vata people um, who have a Vata constitution, those are individuals who have a higher levels of um, air and ether in their constitution, in their body constitution. Pita people, um, they have the element of fire and water more permanent. And then Kafa people, they have the earth and water. So how Most do I know that? Well, so it's an assessment that, that, that you can do. You can go to my website and um, it's a free assessment and it's some questions that um, we ask, um, which is very interesting because allow you to be aware of your body. Some of, many times we don't know, okay, are my eyes sinking? Are my eyes dry? Is my skin dry? Is my hair? So there are certain sure. questions, right? That you're going to answer. And, um, but the thing is that, it is two things and, and um, to, so the, the constitution will be the assessment. You go, you answer these questions and I can tell you, you know, what type of constitution you have. Normally when, I, when I'm with people, I can say, okay, well, you probably a Vata Pita because the, the way your body is um, formed, the way you move, um, your personality. So, you know, I can kind of say a little bit what constitution yeah. you are, but, the reason why this is important to know is because depending if you are a Vata or Pita or Kapha person, or you are, you can be dual, you can, I, I'm a Pita Vata, right? So I have a lot of fire and air. So imagine I burn everything. Imagine the, the, the combination, right? Mike is Kapha, Mike is earth and water, you know, very mellow, very yeah. like, um, so um, different the vata pita kapha is is important to know our constitution because there are certain foods and practices that can aggravate your elements and there are certain foods and practices that are going to bring you to balance so for instance if if you are a pita person like a fire most of the times pita people they have a meat meat construction like athletic people very um straight to the point like you know goal oriented. Uh, yeah goal oriented yeah. um if they are balanced you know they are the people who get things done um their their skin tend to be not very oily not very dry right in between mm -hmm. um you know very intensive um features of more like sharp features and uh but when they are imbalanced Pita tend to, of course, fire gets too higher and they're going to have um, symptoms of maybe heartburn or they're going to have diarrhea or they're going to have skin issues like psoriasis or, or some kind of eczema. Um, can you hear me, Brian? I, oh, I can, can hear you. you, you, you a bit, yeah, <laughs> but you're good. Okay, okay sorry about that. And so, um, and mentally, when they are in balance, a Peter person, they tend to be like a tyrant because anger is the main emotion of Peter, fire, you know, anger and frustration right. versus Vata people, it will be more fearful and more depressive and, uh, and they tend to be thinner, very dry skin. And so it's important because we can create a lifestyle that is going to make sure that your elements are balanced and right. that you can prevent your health. And so 
Esther, when we talk about the three different types of people, when we look at the different mudras, mm -hmm. um, when I was reading, you know, it, it talks about, you know, sometimes you should not do this certain mudras when you are full. Right. So, so um, are there different mudras for different types of people or do all the mudras, um, can, can all the types of people use all the different mudras? Yes, I mean, all the mudras is, is, is not side effects like when you take a Tylenol or something like that or any medication, they give you like a very quick, all the side effects, like so you don't hear. Um, mudras don't really have side effects. Um, the thing is that if you are um, a Vata person, which most of the times you're going to be a busy bee here on your head, Vata people are the multitaskers. You know, they do everything. They want to do a bunch of stuff. They start many things, but never finish anything. Um, they cannot be sitting for a long time. Right. They very tend to be skinny in the sense because they forget to eat or they forget to drink or because they always all over the place. Very dry skin. Think about that air what the air brings you know air is mobility air is lightness air is uh, like want to be everywhere so if you already are a vata person uh, or you have a vata imbalance you don't want to do mudras that are going to increase the element of air mm, right you mm. want to bring mudras that are going to bring the element of earth and water and in particular because that is going to ground you sure Okay. You know, so that's that's the the um, logic behind. So understanding the elements, it also understand what type of mudras are good for you. And so, for example, the most typical mudra that everybody's seen and, and, and a lot of people don't know is a mudra is the one that when we meditate, we bring together, they tell you bring your thumb and your index finger together, right? right. Then you put it in your legs and then you meditate, right? So think about this finger is the element of air and this is the element of fire. So when we meditate, we want to have a settled mind. We want to be in a place of uh, uh, stillness. So we bring the element of air and fire together so we can calm our thoughts. We can calm the element of air in the mind. And so it's very logic. I love, I love mudras, but I love Vedanta in general, because it's very, very logic. In Ayurveda, is it's very logic. It's like, wow, why nobody teaches these in the schools, you know, on how to become more balanced, how to eat better, how to be, because these type of practices make us a better human being because we are able to understand ourselves better. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we've heard a lot about in the last two years because of the pandemic is this idea of self-care. And this this seems like the ultimate in terms of a holistic global self-care in terms of the mind, body, and soul. Um, and I guess my question is, the book is great. And you had mentioned your website. How do, you know, how can, what do you do when you're coaching people? 
Um, what does it look like? Um, and I've said, I've you know shared on the screen your ego friendly living your your company. But how do how do you like from from start to finish? What would it look like if I'm a a potential client and I say mm -hmm. you know Esther you know help me. I, 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 I want to really learn about what you're doing, but I'm also, I want to, you know, become a better person, a higher, you know, expression of myself, as you say in your website. Right. So, you know, I always meet the client where the client is. Um, and, and that's a, um, a motto that I always did with the kids that I work and I still working with them. You know, I always meet people where they are because um, I think part of, our journey as a healers or as a people who are in the healing arts is to not to show them how to do the things, but to be an example. Mm -hmm. And, and, and also we have to be um, patient and to um, not to impose, you know, the fact that these things work for, for me, for example, doesn't mean that everybody's at, at that level, right? So I want to make sure that I know where you are and what space. And then I don't want to overwhelm you with all these new concepts. And, and you know, we, what I find out, uh, Brian, when people come to me is that most people want a quick fix. Yeah. Because this is what they teach us, you know. Right. Um, you take this pill and suddenly you're going to lose weight. Yeah. Or suddenly you're going to stop feeling happy or, you know. And it's not such a thing as a quick fix. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Everything that fix quick, unfix quicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the commitment is that you have to be committed to yourself and to the desire to become better. And so um, I, I guide my clients and to get to know themselves better. So we have, I have a program that is 12 weeks and uh, the four first weeks we focus on the body Mm -hmm. And, you know, we focus on where we have talked about what constitution are you, what type of food is good for your constitution, what are your um, habits, what time you wake up in the morning, what time you go to bed at night, what do you do in between, how you do the things, you know, are you an automatic pilot or you are aware of the things that you do, are you doing something and thinking about what you got to do next month or you are focused on the present moment, you know, Tell so me. It's a true like assessment of who of, of who you are, right? Yes. So you're really putting them in a mirror and saying, well, look at the mirror. Yes. This is who you are. So now we have to actually, this is our baseline. Now I can have something to work with. Exactly. Right. So, so, you know, we create this, I create a very unique program for the client. And then what are your goals? What do you came to me? What do you want to accomplish? So sometimes people tell me, okay, I want to lose weight. Well, well, this is not a weight loss program, but that is a consequence of you creating a healthier lifestyle. Right. You know, you're going to lose weight because you're going to be more mindful of what you eat and how you eat. Right. Because it's not only what we put into our mouth, it's also what it comes out of our mouth that make us ill as well. Yeah. 
So all these things, um, you know, we want to be aware. The, the next four weeks, um, we focus a lot in the mind. You know, what are some of the emotions that you deal with? Where are you feeling those emotions in the body? Where those emotions are coming from? How are your reactions to those emo emotions? And, um, and then the last four weeks, we focus on, uh, on our soul. And a lot of people that come to me, also, these are people who are searching for something. They maybe were taught about certain faith, but this is not fulfilling. Or maybe they're looking for something deeper. Or maybe they want to dip into their faith that they are born into, but you know they want to find a different meaning. And so what I do is to integrate these three layers of our existence, body, mind, and soul. Wow. And, um, and hopefully, I mean, my goal is after these 12 weeks, you don't need me anymore because I, I, I don't want to, I mean, it would be great for business that you stay with right. me for years, right? but that's not the purpose. The purpose is share the tools and then you yeah. can go and have a healthy and happy life. And yeah, the goal is to not fish for them, is is to teach them how to fish, right? Right, exactly. Yes. And and I just shared a, a screenshot, but I I'll, and I'll put it back up. Um, and this is from your website, but mm -hmm. this is um, something that's on your website. It talks about Ayurveda deep dive, one on one holistic coaching, and mentorship with Esther. Um, those are some of the things that that you know our audience, if they're interested in, they could you know contact you. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, what you're doing for humanity, this is, is just, again, I, I use this, this word fascinating because of what you have done to spread goodness throughout the world. I mean, you've been everywhere. Thank you. Well, you know, I mean, I'm here in this incarnation now, and I feel that as we are in these human body that's a privilege you know because being human allow us to be conscious and to have consciousness and if we don't use that for the greater good and to and to improve the existence of other people then you know why we came into the body you know what is the purpose yeah so. well you're you're very courageous um you you are fearless and you're somebody who just uh, I admire, you know, deeply. What does the future hold for Esther? So, you know, I don't know. Um, I like to, I mean, I like to to focus on 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 the present moment. I can tell you that what I would like to do and what I'm I'm I'm, I'm working in uh, in different projects. I'm working in another book now, and um, it is a little bit my experience into advocacy um, and the work that I did in uh, activism and advocacy, but I, I'm trying to bring this um, spiritual experience that I that I have or how I grow spiritual through this advocacy and, and activism that I did through so many, many years. So um, I'm working on that book. I'm, I work with the state of Nevada as well. I am a consultant for them working with children. I'm planning to, to travel back to India soon, as soon as we can. I, I don't know. The future is something that is so... Um, I don't know. It's, it's there. I just try to focus on on the moment and um, I hope that the future hold happiness for me and fulfillment, you know, that's all I can um, 
as for. Well, in, in, you know, just knowing you and knowing what you've done, um, you are working, as you said at the beginning, you're, you're, you're a work in progress, basically. You're, you're just still learning. And I think um, you continue to, to soak it up, um, but your goal is always to help others. And I think um, when you help others learn how to fish, then they're going to, you're, you're changing generations, Esther. And you've changed so many generations of, of people um, and their families. It's just amazing. Um, my final question, and I ask this um, usually at the end of my shows, uh, and it really, because I, you're an educator, everybody's an educator who teaches. Um, and in this challenging time, this, this you know, the, the, the COVID situation, the social justice um, challenges that we've had, you know, what would you say to um, any educator who is struggling now um, in, you know, pre-K through grades 12 or uh, higher ed or anybody who does teaching now when they're seeing so many stressors come at us, I mean, from all around the world, what would you say to them um, to help them kind of um, rebalance themselves in order for them to continue to have the passion for this profession that they came into the profession with? Right. You know, I always tell people to breathe. And a lot of the times they look at me like, okay, well, we're breathing, you know, we're still alive. And, and my, my next question is, are you really breathing? Because breathing, because mechanically your body is allowing you to breathe, it doesn't mean you are mindful of your breath. And um, for me, breath is a reset, it's like a reset button and allow us to put things into perspective. So just taking a moment, a mindful moment and closing your eyes and really taking a deep breath through your nose and holding that breath and being in that empty space that the breath bring and then allowing yourself to exhale fully and being aware that you are able to inhale, retain and exhale is a very, um, is a very uh, um, amazing experience. But I also think that in general, we take life too serious. And especially that's my experience in, in this country, maybe because I, I grew up in a different place and, you know, um, we are less serious people in Spain. We always say like, okay, the famous sentence is, okay, come back tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow, you know? And here yeah. everything is, oh my God, we have to do it now. And if it's not done, is somebody gonna die, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, don't, don't take life so serious. Be aware of who you are, um, really, not who people expect you to be, but be aware of who you are really because only like that you are able to see people for who they are not for who you think they are and and i think that's something that it's one of the main problems of our society you know we have these preconceived ideas of certain groups or certain people right. and, and you know we we just see the physical body in which they are and not the the soul in the in the light that they bring into the world you know so um just be in touch with yourself really so you can be in touch with others you know Esther, in the promotion and that was beautiful uh, maybe that makes sense right yeah. Yeah. no it was, it was beautiful and i think one of the things that you talked about in terms of that breathing because we we feel like we don't have any control 
But when we do that breathing and we, we really center ourselves, that's that's a sense of that we can control that, right? We can control certain aspects of our life, right? And so um, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. You know, in our promotion, in my promotions leading up to this show, I said that you were one of the most fascinating people that I know. And you definitely did not disappoint. You know, your courage and your conviction to doing what's right on behalf of humanity is, is just so admirable. And and when you talked about karma, your, your karma, wherever you go, is just um, going to come back to you 100 fold because of what you've done on this planet and with, you know, everybody who you touch. So... Thank you so much for for being on a conversation with Brian today and um, Godspeed, friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, Brian.